Alright legends, welcome back dude to yet another episode of Get Around Me. What a time it is to be alive dude. Truly, the election rolls on as does my national tour. If I could have just two minutes of your time to ever so briefly promo this thing, I swear to God I will be out of your hair. So we've got Melbourne, June 3 and 4. Those shows are already sold out, thanking the people of Melbourne. Then we've got Perth, June 17, Adelaide, June 18, Canberra, June 19. And you can access those tickets via the link in my Instagram bio, okay? So hope to see you there. Uh, Show some urgency if you'd like to come as those shows are filling up. And I'm just locking in an Encore Sydney show on June 24. Those tickets uh, should be available next week, hopefully, or whenever. You'll hear it from me when they are. So hope to see you there. All those shows you can access via the link in my Instagram bio, dude. So how good's that? But what a time it is to be alive. It's election week. As we know, there's no podcast more politically charged than Get Around Me. Okay, I have been called the Sky News of the podcasting world, and that's a title I wear with pride. But, you know, I got to say, weird week for the Get Around Me podcast because, yeah, I'm not really an election man. But at the same time, there's not really anything else going on. So it's just sort of, it's all ramping up. I, I, where I go for a walk every day at lunch, now, like, I walk past, like, an early voting booth or whatever you call it. And there's all just, isn't it hilarious how there's just, (laughs) I always cross the road because I can't even handle it. But you know how there's all like the old people and, you know, they're not all old, but most of them are pretty bloody old. And they've all got like the different t-shirts on, labor and liberal, etc. With the flyers and they're like, oh, liberal, don't forget liberal. And it's like, I just find it bizarre that they're at the polling booth because... I get maybe having a couple of people there or whatever, but it's kind of like, who's going to the polling booth undecided? Who's literally walking in to vote thinking, fuck, my vote is still up for grabs. You know, it's been six weeks of campaigning, horrific ads on TV every day, nonstop in the media, but but I'm still yet to decide and I'm going to have to leave it up to the first pensioner that can get over to me as quick as they can with their old bones. Whichever whichever party, whichever... <laughs> whoever gets to me first as I walk in, that's who I'm going with, you know? You just see all these old people, like, just walking as fast as they can. Liberal! Liberal! And it's like... I don't know. Like, doesn't everyone know who they're voting for before they get there? like getting out of your car people are like yep i still i'm just gonna get a vibe for it on the ballot (laughs) i can't i can't imagine there's many people like that so then it's just like god you gotta have is there anything more just debilitating like it not debilitating that's a bit aggressive but like how awkward is it when like they're trying to give you the flyers on the way in it's like god it's the same energy as when like people are selling like world vision children at the shops, not selling them, but you know, selling sponsorships. Okay. I am not in favor of the trafficking of children just to make that clear before we move forward. 
but it's a bizarre thing. <laughs> I always cross the road, but dude, I so I so I walk past this polling place every day, and you know it's getting more and more you know revved up or whatever. Dude, I saw something so wild walking past there the other day. So I'm walking past, and you know how they have like all the uh, A-frame like sandwich boards, like the signs with all the candidates on them, and it'll be like Billy Darcy for bloody you know Warringah. There's a beautiful headshot of me just looking unbelievable. You know, in in a good headshot, you wanna you want people to go that guy, that guy looks fierce as fuck, but he's also making me feel safe. But I also want to have a beer with him. That's what I would be going for if I was a politician. But I walked past this one guy's thing. I can't remember what freaking political party it was for, but the guy, the the candidate for uh, whatever, he's got his headshot there. Good looking bloke. You know, I got no qualms uh, with the facial structure of this man. I'm not here to shit on him for being a six, okay? That'd be the pot calling the kettle black. But this guy, politician, full blown braces in his headshot. Like big toothy smile. Like I'm talking like 2007 braces. And, you know, he's like 28 or whatever. And I'm not shitting on braces. You know, Lewis Spears just got braces of Luke and Lewis fame. And, you know, he's repping the braces hard. God bless him. Okay. But all I'm saying is that if I had braces and I was running for office, I'm just saying that in the headshot photo shoot, my mouth would stay closed. And I don't think that's controversial to say because (laughs) you're taking a big risk diving in head first with the braces. I'd be keeping those to myself at all costs. You think it's. It it kind of feels like you're just giving people an excuse to not vote for you because that, that was my initial reaction. As soon as I saw this bloke had braces, I was like, I don't care if his, he could have a policy where his whole freaking campaign could run on every day. We're going to send, we're going to send Billy Darcy $500 cash. That is my policy. I still wouldn't vote for this guy. I'm sorry. There's just something about a man with braces, a grown man with braces that says me that, you know, if ScoMo or someone is putting the screws to this bloke, are you telling me he's not going to freaking crumble under the pressure? I mean, that's if he gets elected, of which I think he has absolutely no chance due to the aforementioned braces. Because (laughs) is it not hard enough already to get elected? without rocking some 2007 braces in your headshot. I mean, this guy, he's campaigning on difficult mode. He really is. Because I personally can't vote for someone who has less roots than me. And that's a personal policy. That's not something I'm saying anyone here should be incorporating into their life. But I'm sorry. If you've had less sex than me and I probably bullied you in high school, I'm not voting you to represent my local area. Okay. And once again, that's just a personal thing. Okay. I'm not casting any aspersions on this man's character. I'm just saying that his headshot didn't fill me with confidence and he lost my vote before he even had the chance to acquire it. Okay. First impressions matter. And my first one just slapped me in the face that this guy is a nerd. Okay. So. You know, got, and at the same time, I, yes, I am shitting on this bloke to a certain extent, but I'm just being honest with my reaction. And also, you know, fair play to this bloke. I would not have the balls to campaign with genuine braces on throughout the whole experience. 
Imagine campaigning against this bloke. You'd just be thinking, imagine losing to him. Imagine going, yeah, I lost fair and square. And the bloke has full-blown 2007 braces. Because you know that if he didn't have those braces, he would have absolutely wiped the floor with you. The only reason it was close was because of the freaking two kilos of aluminium stuck to this bloke's teeth. You know, (laughs) if I was campaigning against this guy, I would be so petty. I'd bring up the braces. I'd be like, this guy would be talking about economic reform. I'd be like, sorry, dude, I think you've got a bit of last night's steak in between your grills there, brother. Okay. Is this guy a rapper or a fucking nerd? Either way, I don't think he has this area's best interests at heart. You know, I, I would full on bring the braces into it. Oh God, but fair play to that bloke. You know, that's really the only hot take I have on the election, I must say. I don't know. I don't know how to get a vibe for this. We actually watched Channel 10 News last night for whatever reason. I think Adzi might be having a midlife crisis. I walked into the lounge room and he's watching Channel 10 News. And I said, mate, do you want to change this? Should we watch something else? And he said no. So say a prayer for Adzi. I'm not sure what's going on there. I will say that Sandra Sully is still keeping it 100% above board. She looks phenomenal, dude, okay? Tell you what, I'd vote for Sandra Sully. I bet her headshot is unbelievable. But I don't know. From what I can tell with this election, ScoMo is going to get absolutely pumped. But I think that's just because, you know, I don't follow any 65-year-old blokes on Instagram. You know, I follow just young people and Every person under the age of 30 appears to hate ScoMo. So, I don't know. We'll have to see what happens because I bet there's freaking 73-year-old blokes sitting in a room going, elbows going down that piece of shit, you know? Oh, it's interesting. We'll, we'll see, hey? We'll see. I don't know. Also, like, all the news has such an agenda behind it, I don't even know. Like, you read the paper... And then the paper is like all murdocked up or whatever, like with this right wing agenda behind it. I don't, I don't even know where I would potentially access some genuine, genuinely objective news about this sort of stuff. But I tell you, what, the only place I get my news is, and I highly recommend it, the Daily Oz on Instagram, and I guess Facebook. It's like just a news page, but and they put it in like really easy to read. PowerPoint slides, you know, and it's pretty good. I got to say, it's independent. Kind of, I, th- I think it was a smaller operation, but it's getting big now. I get all my news from them, but that's very youth focused. It's kind of like it's a, it's hip, you know. Like I bet if you went into the Daily Oz office, you know, there'd be some guy with dreadlocks kicking a hacky sack around, and then another guy's freaking on the phone to a to an Aboriginal MP getting a hot scoop. You know, they're very trendy. Very trendy news, but also I think they do a fantastic job. But I love this. So, how's this? They had, they had freaking, uh, what's his name? The late, uh, Anthony Albanese, right? Albo, as his followers so endearingly call him. How good did Albo come out, come off in the nickname game, by the way? You got Albo and ScoMo. And people, the, well, the way people say ScoMo, no one who likes ScoMo calls him ScoMo, but people who love Albo call him Albo, you know? Like when people are talking about Scott Morrison, they're like fucking ScoMo and they like spit at the ground. You know, it's like a negative connotation. 
But elbow? Oh, yeah, how good's elbow? It sounds like you're talking about your second cousin who works on a wheat farm. I mean, that nickname is holding strong. But I loved, um, dude, this Daily Oz, I'm telling you, it's the only place to get news. I freaking love, how's this? So, obviously, it's a youth-focused news outlet. But the Daily Oz, so they put out this thing. They said they wanted to have a youth-focused debate between Scott Morrison and Anthony Albanese. Okay? Albo, that lovable scamp, agreed almost immediately. ScoMo never replied, never took part in the debate for whatever reason. I don't know what you would think, you know, it it's it's interesting to me how often politicians like avoid public speaking or debate. Like Albo stormed off from some press conference 2 days ago. And I always just think, how are you guys rattled by this? It's literally your job. You know when like Scoma will get like a tough question and sort of freak out a bit. And it's like, I'm sorry, are you not prepared for questions like I don't like. I would have thought they'd be able to sort of handle the heat a bit better. And anyway, so Albo turns up to this Daily Oz. Well, I guess it's not a debate anymore. It's just an interview because he's the only one there. And you know, it's a youth-focused thing. And this chick, her name is actually Billy as well, which I don't love. But anyway, I digress. So this chick Billy from the Daily Oz has Albo in, and Scomo refused to turn up. So you'd think. You'd think, oh, this will be great. Great bit of press for Albo. Anyway, this Billy chick. I fucking love this chick so much. When climate change was brought up and it turns out Labor's climate policy has gone backwards from three years ago, which is something I learned in the interview. But regardless, this Billy chick is just absolutely giving it to Albo, like just not letting him get away with anything, just being, just absolutely hammering him on the climate thing. And I love this because I guarantee that chick hates ScoMo way more than she dislikes Albanese. I guarantee she's more left-wing than right-wing. And I guarantee that in a two-party preferred system, she'd vote for Albo fucking seven ways to Sunday. I guarantee she despises ScoMo, you know? She's a freaking 25-year-old woman who works in the media, okay? She could have easily given Albo a layup, oh, how good are you? Fuck ScoMo. But she didn't do any of that. She just absolutely hammered him on the topics. And that's what fucking journalism is, boys, you know? That's what journalism is. And I feel like the Daily Oz is one of the last places where you can actually find that sort of thing. You know, all these other places like the the newspapers is like, <laughs> they're so aggressive in one direction or the other that it's like, because I'm a blank canvas. I don't know anything. So just fucking tell me the information and let me make up my own mind. But then like I pick up a newspaper and it's like anyone who votes for Albo is bisexual. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, Jesus Christ. There's no place to get any objective info. But this Daily Oz chick, despite the fact I guarantee, you know, in a two-party preferred system, she'd be voting for Albo. I guarantee she would have loved to just to just give Albo a layup and and spray scomo and all the 22 year old uni students would have been in the comments going nuts like yeah fucking oath this is sick we hate scomo but she did not let albo get away with a goddamn thing she just absolutely gave it to this bloke and i loved it and that's journalism you know the fourth estate thank god someone is still flying the flag but anyway dude whether you're voting labor or liberal or 
independent. The teal wave is here, apparently. I think we can all agree that what should be made illegal from now on, forever, is the advertisements of the United Australia Party. I mean, how fucking annoying are these ads? All they do... Here's the thing. I don't even know what that... And I've consumed about, I don't know, three hours worth of United Australia Party content, you know, in those 30-second blocks on YouTube before they let you skip. And I don't even know what that party stands for because all they do is trash everyone else. They're just like, Labor and Liberal is corrupt. And it's like, okay, what about you? What, are you? what do you guys get up to, you bloody weirdos? It's just so aggressive. It's just like a 65-year-old white guy talking to the camera completely unedited for like seven minutes. <laughs> it's like, who's, isn't, don't they have like a campaign director or someone whose like job it is to make cool ads? I don't understand. <laughs> All they do is just, it's just seven minutes of going like, you know, the Greens are more corrupt than you think. And it's like, I, d- I don't know, dude. I don't know. I don't know what, but what's your thing? You're freaking me out. And Labour are liberal. They never even return fire to the United Australia Party because they're so goddamn irrelevant, you know? It's like, <laughs> it's very much like the Sydney and Melbourne beef. Like people in Melbourne are absolutely furious at Sydney. In Sydney, we're sort of, we're pretty ambivalent about the whole thing. We hate Melbourne on principle because they hate us. But if Melbourne, you know, behind closed doors, we don't actually particularly care either way. Everyone in Sydney, we think there isn't a war because we've got better weather and and a beach that doesn't look like it's in fucking the south coast of England. So we don't feel threatened. And I imagine that's how the major parties feel in regards to the United Australia Party. (laughs) And it's just like, when I hear United Australia Party, I still just think Clive Palmer. I feel like it's going to take a while to shake the whole Clive Palmer thing. You know, I just I just hear that guy's voice. I see his 74 chins shaking in the breeze. You know, I just get huge Clive vibes from that whole thing. And it's just like, the, just it feels like conspiracy theory vibes on these United Australia Party ads. You ever watching YouTube High and one of these ads come on? It's fucking terrifying, dude. I was watching a bit of YouTube, but you know, God forbid I blaze it on a goddamn weeknight. It's my life, okay? It's my life. It's my podcast. You can back off. It's the last time I'll say it, dude. <laughs> it is the last time I'll say it. So, you know, next thing you know, you'd click on a video, some six-minute ad saying the Chinese are microchipping our freaking cats and dogs. You know, keep one eye open. I'm freaking the fuck out. It's 11 p.m. I don't need this sort of stuff in my life on a Wednesday night. I'm trying to watch the. I'm trying to watch a compilation of the cutest moments from How I Met Your Mother, seasons one through seven. You know, and they're hitting me with this sort of stuff. It's just, it's annoying. But anyway, but I'll tell you this. So hang on, I got bogged down in that whole election stuff. But I'll tell you this. So I did a pretty fun gig. Wednesday night and this was a bizarre gig because I was hosting which isn't too bizarre but then there's you know 150 people in the room and then they were live streaming it to TikTok as well and this is interesting because you know this is something new they're doing live streaming comedy gigs onto TikTok now my mate did it the week before he said the live stream comments on TikTok were just mostly you know death threats and hate crimes 
as they should be. I mean, you've opened up a live stream of stand-up comedy to people who don't have to pay for it and can just tee off without any repercussions whatsoever. So apparently most of the comments were pretty negative the week before. I can't speak to the comments on my show because I was too scared to look at them. But an interesting concept. And the amount of technology that goes into live streaming, I think I've never, I felt like I was on like the Today Show or something. It was insane. There's massive cameras. It's the sort of camera where you go, dude, if I knock that thing over, like I'm looking at like a hundred grand, you know, like that's going to bankrupt me. Like I was giving this camera the widest berth. Anyway, has this ever happened to you where like this, I meet this guy, I thought he was the sound tech. So I go, how you going, Craig? Whatever. Nice to meet you. Good to see you. What do I need to do with this whole TikTok thing? Do I need to talk about it? What have you? He said, just do the show. It's a normal show. And the only thing was you had to start the show when the live stream started. So we had, a, he goes, I'll give, there's a five minute countdown on the screen backstage. Okay. Now this is something we've not seen before. Usually you get like a two minute warning. But the five-minute countdown was quite ominous. I was like, oh, the countdown has begun. So I was speaking to this bloke and I thought he was just a sound tech. I was nice to him. I wasn't rude in any way. Not that I ever would be. But, you know, I was just sort of, you know, just had a normal conversation with this bloke. Has this ever happened to you where you meet someone and you think they're just a normal person? It turns out in hindsight, they're actually like by far the most important person in the room. Turns out this bloke was the director of the whole Sydney Comedy Festival. And was like, and was like running the whole, the whole thing. He's the boss of the whole festival, the whole thing. And I was like, oh my god, thank the fucking lord, I was, I was nice to that bloke. You know, there's a reminder to always just be kind to everyone as a base policy because you never know. You could have some, you know, you think you're working in a Domino's, you know, making up a, a loaded pepperoni for some for some great gentleman on a Thursday night. It turns out you're an undercover boss, you know? So you never know who you're talking to. You should always just be a fucking good bloke because, my God. I mean, can you imagine if I was like, I mean, I would never say this anyway, so it's kind of by the by, but imagine if I was just like, hey, get me a fucking drink. Like, what the hell? Don't talk to me. I'm, I'm, I'm the fucking host. Like, not that I would ever do that. It's absolutely ridiculous. But <laughs> can you imagine? Like, it's just so much easier just to be nice to everyone. On the off chance, they're fucking powerful as shit, dude. So, just doing the show, doing it, doing well with the people in the room. I don't know, you know, the people watching on TikTok, God bless them. I hope I was well received there also. But how's this? We had a genuine 11-year-old in the front row. Like, I've been up there for about, I don't know, seven minutes or something, eight minutes, you know, and I don't want to speak out of school, but I'm being, I'm being blue. I'm talking about sex, drugs rock and roll okay you know if you were gonna rate this you'd have to if you were gonna freaking put this show on channel 10 it'd have to be at 9 p.m ma 15 plus i said the f word multiple times okay and so i'm swinging wild talking blue and then i turn to my right and the kid mate 11 is generous he might have been like 10 i mean (laughs) and the mum looked horrified i said oh my god i'm so sorry like what the hell and she goes oh i don't know it's okay and I could tell she was like, it wasn't okay. <laughs> like, she was a bit, like, shocked. But do people not know that comedy is for adults? 
you know? Like, do people not know that it's going to be rude and people are going to swear and stuff? Like, it was just a showcase. It wasn't It wasn't advertised as a G-rated comedy extravaganza. You know, it wasn't sponsored by Play School, so I'm not sure where the vibe was coming from. But anyway, uh, so yeah, this 11-year-old had probably the most uncomfortable night of his young life. I mean, he couldn't even look at me by the end of the show. Because, you know, I, you know, I'm not that filthy, but some of the other comics were absolutely disgusting. You know, a couple come to mind and it's just like, God, I reckon he walked into the show 11. I reckon he left about 23 with seven roots under his belt and a, a crippling marijuana addiction. I mean, this kid walked through the fire. I mean, I crowd worked him, so, you know, I shouldn't have done that. I don't reckon I've ever seen a more uncomfortable person in my life than when I was crowd working this kid in front of 150 people. God bless him, you know? If he's not the coolest kid in his fucking, I was going to say high school, I hope high school, he could be rocking year six. But this kid, I'm telling you, he got some hair on his chest that night. God bless him. Okay, so up next, uh, I'm going to take some questions from people who sent them into my Instagram story this week, thanking those who did. And then I forgot to say at the start of this podcast, Of course, I'll be talking about Andrew Simons at the end. Bit of a tribute to the great man. Gone far too soon. What a fucking tragedy, dude. God, so sick of this shit, you know? All my heroes are dropping. So, of course, I'll be talking about Andrew Simons at the end of this thing. Let's take a couple of questions. Then we'll talk about Roy. Then we can all get on with our lives. So, I got a few in the hat here. Picked out the best ones. Did the Superwog video ever get released? Okay. This is a good one. No. No, it did not. I, can't, I don't know what it is, where it is, when it is, what it is. No one's ever said to me that they've, it's been released. They just released like a mini-series, the Superwog, but it goes for like 12 episodes. You know, I simply don't have the time uh, to sift through it for a one-minute cameo from yours truly. But if you don't know the story... Two years ago, maybe, I was in a Superwog sketch, okay? And I was in it. I had like several lines, okay? I was in it for maybe two minutes. You know, at one point, I had one chunk of, you know, significant dialogue, okay? It was my big acting debut. And I famously said on the podcast, because I was extremely nervous about doing it, uh, because I don't know how to act, nor have I ever tried to, nor have I ever been asked to before that. Okay, so I was pretty bloody nervous and I joked on the pod the following week. I said, God, my biggest fear is that my acting was so bad, the thing is unreleasable and never even comes out. I said, I'd rather it comes out and I suck than it not come out at all because that that would just be horrible, you know? My acting's so bad, it would be unreleasable. And we all had a good laugh about that at the time, didn't we? You know, we were all chuckling and guffawing, etc., you know? Because that's what happens on the Get Around Me podcast. Often, I'll state ridiculous situations in the hopes of getting a laugh. Well, I'm not laughing now, I'll tell you that, because I think that's what happened. I think I was so bad. (laughs) I think my acting was so poor, it was just (laughs) completely unreleasable. So, to my knowledge, no, the Superwog video has not come out yet. And it probably never will. I don't know. I haven't heard anything. So, I mean, fingers crossed. 
fingers crossed, hey, never say never. But uh, also, I think we should all give up hope. And I've accepted it. You guys need to accept it too. Then maybe I'll never appear in a Superwalk sketch. Anyway, next question. What podcast would you love to be a guest on? Oh, dude. What podcast would I love to be a guest on? There's a few. I mean, I'd love to be on Joe Rogan just to bloody... I feel like it's a freaking achievement or like a milestone in, in the world of stand-up. You know, I'd love to have a Netflix special and go promo it on Joe Rogan. I just think that's a fucking... That's a cool thing. I'd love to do that. It'd be so sick. You know, just have him give me some freeze-dried meats or whatever and just get so blazed with him and have a good time. That'd be fucking sick. I feel like Joe Rogan is like, you know... It's not just a podcast. Like if you go on Joe Rogan, it can like seriously boost your career. So I'd love that. Maybe maybe I'd love to go on Joe Rogan and potentially sell out my Adelaide show. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Imagine if I went on Joe Rogan and still like my Adelaide show was half full. I'm like, fuck, dude. <laughs> what have I got to do to sell a ticket in this town? So yeah, Joe Rogan. I mean, I'd love to go on Theo Vaughn's podcast. I guess... Let me think of some Australian ones that are a bit more realistic, perhaps. I mean, I said it last week. I'd love to go on Hello Sport. Those blokes are fucking absolute bants. Um, so I'd love to go on Hello Sport, chop it up a bit with the lads, tell a few yarnaroos, etc. And I'd love to go on the Grade Cricketer as well. I reckon that'd be hilarious. Also, yeah, I, I, met, I know one of those blokes, uh, Sam, one of the Grade Cricketers, and he's a fucking legend. So, yeah, I'd love to go on the Grade Cricketer or Hello Sport. And I guess maybe, I guess I'd go on Will Anderson's just because, like, I feel like all the biggest comedians in the country go on Will Anderson's. So, I'd love to one day be one of the biggest comedians in the country and also go on Will Anderson's podcast. So, those would be the ones I reckon I'd want to go on. Also, I love going on podcasts. It's so much more fun being a guest on a podcast than doing a solo one. Like when I go on the mug off or Luke and Lewis, it's so fun. You just get to be hilarious with no responsibilities. It's fucking epic. So they're the ones I'd like to go on. Next question. Is putting up with all this campaigning worth it for a democracy sausage? Firstly, short answer, yes. The sausage sizzles at the polling booth on election day. They freak, you know, you've nailed it, whoever sent that in. They taste like democracy, don't they? You know, when I, bite in, when I bite into a sausage sizzle after exercising my democratic rights, I imagine it's the same feeling as when, like, an American man shoots off an AK-47, you know? Just pure freedom. You can just feel it in your fucking veins, dude. So, yes, I would say it is worth it. Speaking of this election stuff, actually, one thing, I did a gig with New Zealand comedian Joe Damon. Damon. I think that's what it is. But anyway, this guy's absolutely fucking hilarious. But he said on stage in New Zealand, they don't have any of these ads, like, spraying each other. Like, I wish they would just get rid of the ads. I fucking, I've never watched an ad on TV and it's convinced me to vote for someone when they're just trashing the opposition. He said they don't have that in New Zealand. It's not a part of it at all. So, yeah, that'd be interesting. Just get rid of these fucking ads, mate. God, they suck. You know, when it's like in 2017, ScoMo said this, but then he did this. And it's like, 
Okay, why don't you just tell me why I should vote for you instead of why I shouldn't vote for him? You know, we should have a rule like ads can only be positive. Instead of like, they have like the black and white ads with like, you know, Albo's face and then it puts like a big red X over his face like, dun dun dun, do not vote for this man. <laughs> and then people at home like, wait, what? <laughs> it's so dumb. It's so dumb. Anyway, next question. A mate's girlfriend introducing you to her friends. Does this ever lead to romance? I'll say this, not as often as you'd hope. You know when a mate gets a new girlfriend and you think, this is unreal because now we get to meet her friends and it's exciting. You think, because you've met the, your mate's girlfriend, she's a great girl. You're thinking, well, these other chicks must be pretty cool. And you think, fuck, maybe I start dating one of the mates. We're double dating on Wednesdays. You know, the whole group's hanging out. We can all buy a timeshare in Crescent Head. You know, the, your mind starts spinning with opportunities. But for whatever reason, it never really works out like that. You might hook up with some of her friends, but it never, I don't think it ever leads to romance, really. If anything, it might lead to romance for three months and then, you know, there's some sort of a conflict and the group is actually weaker for it. So I would say that, you know, in an ideal world, yeah, you just, your a mate starts dating a girl and then, you know, a few other friends fall in love in the mix. But I think, you know, that would just be too easy, wouldn't it? That would just be a little bit too easy. So I'd say, yeah, unfortunately, like I said, if it does lead to romance, most of the time, because here's the thing, your mate's in love with this girl. What are the chances you're going to fall in love with one of these girls as well? I mean, realistically, slim to none. So then probably most likely scenario on the off chance you do hook up with one of these girls, most likely it goes pear-shaped and, you know, the the group is is weaker for the whole experience. So, yeah, unfortunately, does not lead to romance as often as we'd hope because it is a, it's a logistical dream. Your, your mate's girlfriend's friends, you know. Socially, everything just lines up. It's perfect. But, yeah, that's not how the world works, unfortunately. We got one more question here. If you could vote an Aussie celebrity into power, who would it be? Okay. Now, this is a good one. If I could vote one Australian celebrity into power, I would say I'm thinking television hosts because they are the linchpin of this nation already. I would say Carl Stefanovic, but I think he would admit, as, as we all would, that the power would go to his head. Okay. I'm going to vote for Andy G or Osher Gunsberg or Osher G or Andy Gunsberg, whatever that bloke is going by these days, you know, uh, AG, whatever his goddamn name is, former Australian Idol host, current Bachelor host. And I'll tell you why, because Osher, this bloke has been through the highs and the lows that this great nation has to offer. He went from hosting Australian Idol in its prime. And he wasn't just the host, he was the hot host as well, okay? So he was the hottest host of the hottest show for five years. When This is back when Australian Idol was just cranking, you know? This is when, like, the top four every year were, like, would go on to have legitimate careers. By the time Australian Idol got to, like, season six, it, the, even the winners would just be homeless within two months, okay? 
But Andy G, he was hosting it in its fucking prime. I mean, God. I don't know if social media existed back then, but if it did, this guy's inbox would have been absolutely nuts, dude. Just just naked JPEGs flying in from women around the country. That's That would have been Andy G's inbox at the time. But then I heard, I heard an interview with Osher. This might be post um, name change or whatever. I don't know why he changed his name. Uh, I assume it's for some sensitive family reason, so I don't want to shit on it too much. But whether that was the case or he just sort of had a bad acid trip at the museum and woke up as Osher, I'm not sure. It's not for me to speculate. But then I saw an interview with him where he said, after Australian Idol, the bloke was out of work for ages. He was doing a bit of radio work and some stuff in LA, but like really his career tanked for ages. And then it came back and he started hosting The Bachelor, you know? So he's 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 had the height of this society and he's he's had, you know, is there anything lower in the Australian totem pole than an out-of-work television host? I would argue there isn't. So for him to have seen the highest of highs, the lowest of lows, and come back and be better for it, I think he's the man. He is the man for the job. That's who I would vote in. Okay? All right, now, I just want to talk about the great man, Andrew Simons, who tragically passed away last week in a car accident. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but I think it was another Saturday morning wake-up to horrific news. Saturday morning, 8 a.m., I get the fucking notification. God damn it, dude. 46 years old. That's the saddest part about this stuff. It's their age. I think Warney was 52. Was he 50, 49? Too young. Too fucking young, dude. It's so sad. But anyway, I'm not going to freaking do some wild emotional thing about Andrew Simons because I'm bloody... Just a bit exhausted from Warney's death, to be honest. But Andrew Simons, I just want to talk about how fucking good this guy was. What and what a legend he was, dude. I just want to I want to pay tribute to this absolute icon who was taken from us far too, far too soon. So Andrew Simons, the bloke could do it all. I mean, batting, bowling, fielding. He literally did it all batted and it was like the power hitting on this man he would like short arm jab a ball and then they'd show on the commentary graphic afterwards you'd be like oh sweet so that went 147 meters and he didn't even finish the swing of the bat you know he kind of check his shot he just sort of dismissed the ball down the ground like it was a fish he was returning to the river you know that's how he treated some, some of the bowlers around the world. He, he just sort of released their balls back into the world, you know? It was just some of the craziest power hitting you've ever seen. And then he bowled off spin, bowled pace, and was also the, legitimately the best fielder in the world. Andrew Simons is so cool, he made fielding cool. That's ridiculous, okay? He made standing around cool. Unbelievable. The other thing about Roy was he had probably about four to five hairstyles in his playing career, and not one of them was a miss, okay? You know, a lot of people, some people don't have the balls to take risks in the public eye, but Andrew Simons, you know, he had like the fro, he had the the shaved head, 
Uh, he had the dreadies, probably the most iconic cut of them all. And none of them were a miss. You know, this is a man who had, he had low-key, low-key a bit of style about him, the great man. So, <clears throat> I don't know. Could talk about his playing career ad nauseum. He, so, he was born in England, which I already knew. And he qualified to play for England or the West Indies. And he was picked uh, for the England A squad in like 1993 or something. But he said, fuck that. I'm playing for Australia. Because he moved to Australia when he was like three. So, which I love. I love that he consciously chose to pursue a career for Australia. Because let me tell you, it is 20 times harder to play for Australia than it is for England. Okay? The domestic competition is so much smaller here and so much harder. He could have easily just gone and played for England and it would have been the, it would have been much easier to do. So I love that he consciously chose to play for Australia. And obviously, of course, he was Australian. He lived here his whole life. But, my God. The thing I love about Andrew Simons, firstly, a couple of personal highlights. As soon as I was doing this segment, I thought, what are two of my favourite Andrew Simons moments? Two that come to mind. Firstly, his 100 in the 06-07 Ashes. When he came in at four for 60 uh, with Matthew Hayden and he got his debut test 100 and he was on 95 and he brought it up by hitting Paul Collingwood for six down the ground. Do you have any idea how ballsy that is in a Boxing Day test with, your, with the nation in all sorts of trouble to go, right, I'm on 95. Paul peddling Collingwood is coming in bowling, bowling genuinely backwards here. You know, someone like me, local coward and beta male Billy Darcy, I'm looking for the single, okay? Because I can't pull off dreadlocks and I'm not as much of an icon as Andrew Simons. Andrew Simons goes, do you know what? I'm going to do what got me to the dance and I'm going to fucking send this, send this stupid pom back over his head and I'm going to jump on Matthew Hayden's shoulders and celebrate this milestone with the nation, okay? And that's exactly what he did. Not to mention it was one of the the best fucking back-to-the-wall innings I've ever seen. We were four for 50 in all sorts of trouble when he came in. And when he, when he got out, I think we were four for 350. I mean, what an innings, okay? And another memory I have of Andrew Simons, probably one of my favorite one-day games of all time. We were legitimately, I think, three for 10 against Sri Lanka in one of the finals of the ODI Tri Series. Again, I think maybe 06, 07, 05, 06, something like that. Three for 10. Andrew Simons comes in and gets 156 with Ricky Ponting. I think they both got 150. It was literally the most insane partnership I've ever seen. We went from being three for 10 to getting 368 that innings. Andrew Simons, ladies and gentlemen, coming in at three for 10 gets 156. And I think that's one thing, when I was thinking about his career, that's one thing that I think he didn't really get the credit for because he was so exciting and so explosive. He didn't necessarily get the credit for what an absolute mongrel he was and the amount of cunning in him when we needed it, you know? he w- When the chips were down, that 143 he got against Pakistan in the World Cup, the chips were down there too. The 160 he got against India, we were freaking... Three for three for not many in that game as well. You know, the times he would just affect a run out out of nowhere to completely change the game. You know, because because he was so, so explosive 
He had the dreadies, the whole thing. I don't think... Sometimes you forget, this guy had so much cunt in him and was one of the blokes you wanted walking out to bat when when we were up against it, you know? And, God, he was just fucking awesome. And just such a genuine bloke. Obviously, the iconic Andrew Simons moment is when he smashed that streaker. And this is why Andrew Simons is such a legend, because... He was the everyman. This is why we loved him so much. He was so authentic, so genuinely himself. That's why he was so loved because Andrew Simons, the Australian cricketer, he shouldn't have hit that streaker, okay? Every other player on the field let him go. But here's the thing. He never... uh, That was the great thing about Andrew Simons. You never felt like he was a big hotshot test superstar. He always felt like he was still just a normal bloke. And that's the thing. Yeah, maybe it's not it's not in the code of conduct for an Australian cricketer to just lay some bloke out in front of the whole nation. But at the same time, Andrew Symes isn't thinking like that. He's not thinking I'm a freaking IPL megastar, all of this. He's thinking I'm Andrew Simons, and we got this bloke carrying on like an absolute pelican, ruining the game for everyone else. I'm just going to sort this out real quick, you know? There's no filter. He, there's no... He wasn't worried about what anyone would think. He was just so authentically himself. And I think that's, you know, that's a great thing about Andrew Simons. And he's kind of an example. I was thinking about him. I was thinking, what's something about this guy that was just, you know, he's pretty universally loved Andrew Simons. And I was thinking, what is it? And it was the authenticity. It was moments like that. You know, he wasn't really like a larger than life personality. He was actually kind of like pretty reserved on the microphone. And even as a commentator, he's not like screaming, you know, going nuts, this sort of stuff. But he's just so authentically himself and he was so genuine. I think it's a good it's a good lesson. You know, like you don't have to be the loudest person in the room. If you just genuinely put your whole self forward without any sort of filter or agenda, you know, people, people will love you. And that was Andrew Simons, just one of the most genuine, authentic blokes to ever pull on a baggy green. And, and we're going to miss you, brother. Okay. Gone far too soon. God, it makes me sad, but you know, I don't know. It's just, it's just sad. I don't know what the takeaway is. But yeah, going to miss him. Thank you so much, Roy, for everything you did, you son of a bitch. Okay, God, so many great memories watching that guy play cricket. And yeah, just a real tragedy. So RIP Andrew Simons, we're going to miss you, brother. And that is the podcast for this week. Thanks for listening. Like I said, uh, what, did I, what was I going to say? <laughs> like I said, Perth. Adelaide, Canberra, in the middle of June. Get those tickets via my Instagram bio. Would love to see you there. And uh, and yeah, thanks for listening, dude. Way too long, way too long. Yeah, and I can see the ground now. Way too gone, way too gone.